Hello, and welcome to another special edition of one of our podcasts. You may recall earlier this year, uh, we did a Decade in Review podcast starting with 2010. If you listen to that one, you'll notice that we played it kind of fast and loose, and it got a little rambly. So we kind of shied away from doing 2011 until now when we're going to tighten up the format a little bit so that we're not rambling on and on and on. Uh, So yeah, so with that in mind, I'm your host LB. Joining me again is CT. The never rambly CT, never in any context. Hi, folks. So, alright, so like I mentioned, this is going to be a decade in review. The year in question that we're going to be talking about this time is 2011. In 2011, I was still working way too many hours for a website for not nearly enough money. And to be fair, I had the energy for it back then, so I didn't mind so much. But the good news is is that 2011 is also the year that I would meet the person who would eventually go on to become my wife. So yay for that. Uh, CT, where were you in your fandom around 2011? Do you recall? Uh, not terribly. I mean, everything was kind of old hat. I had come back to I had come back to watching anime in general a few years prior. I'd taken a break for a bit before then. This, I guess, the only notable thing is I'd started to pay a lot more attention to seasonally running stuff. I don't think I would pick it up with a huge uh, uh, frequency yet. But then again, Crunchyroll was still just kind of starting up its ability to grab everything that they could. Uh, So this was just kind of still early on in my watching new shows as they came out and, uh, and trying to catch what I could of the new stuff rather than being a few years behind and, you know, just picking up DVD sets that I'd been uh, avoiding prior. So 2011, before we get into the actual series that were released that year, I want to talk a little bit about what was going on in the world Uh, At that time, as many of you may recall, 2011 in March was the month and year of the giant tsunami and earthquake that hit the that hit the country. Uh, I remember waking up that morning and hearing the news and the next two or three days was really tense uh, as people were starting to update we were starting to get messages coming out on social media confirming who was okay and who wasn't okay. Uh, Yeah, that was a really tense time, and that story kind of dominated the entire year. I feel like that might have been a time when uh, I did have a friend who lived in Japan in... We had kind of a tight uh, uh, messages group, just kind of a text circle using the Apple messages. Uh, I don't remember. That may have been a bit too early. And I I know I've chatted with him out of concern when earthquakes happen, but obviously in Japan they happen more often. 
Uh, so I don't remember if uh, uh, I was uh, finding out through him and checking in with him at the time. Might might have been somewhat before. I don't recall where I was, but yes, obviously that uh, that would dominate uh, the the news and the articles, and quite specifically for the next year or two, any convention that I went to had a uh, a big you know support Japan Red Cross uh, uh, you know victims collection uh, all of that kind of stuff that was it was very present. Yeah, and I mean, besides the earthquake, I rem- I just went through the news archives a couple of hours ago while preparing for this podcast, and yeah, I mean, there were a couple of notable things that happened throughout the year, but it pretty much paled in comparison to this incident and this tragedy that happened. Right, well, most articles are just about you know, things that happen in the industry, and this was obviously a a giant uh, affair, especially since they had the uh, Fukushima uh, uh, meltdown after that, so there were even more, you know, unthought about after effects, not just the earthquake and the tsunami, but also uh, a, uh, a tidy little nuclear disaster to... Uh, uh, to be concerned over after that, so it uh, it it certainly hit a whole lot harder than uh, than most other things would. Yeah, the only other thing that I saw in the news for 2011 that was even worth mentioning uh, was in April when four kids filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, which I remember that happening at the time and I remember how excited people were at the time that a company that had in their opinion mishandled a whole bunch of their favorite titles like One Piece uh, went under and I remember people getting actually like happy about that which was really surreal well they have a bit of a uh uh, uh, <laughs> they they occupy a bit of a weird position uh, and have a bit of a reputation both at the time and down the line. So I can see some people taking a bit of uh, weird pleasure in, in seeing them crash and burn out. But uh, obviously they had a, a fairly huge impact for uh, for people who were introduced through through them, but, uh, you know, it, it, I don't know what the status of uh, Deke is at this point, but it feels kind of like if uh, if they had gone out uh, in the early 2000s or something like that, a, a similar sort of thing, because there's a, there's a certain level of appreciation for what uh, they brought, and then there's there's a certain level of dissatisfaction that lingers. So, all right, did you have any other little bits of news or anything else that stuck out to you before we start getting into the actual series? Uh, nothing much stuck out. I did, uh, when I was perusing the articles, uh, I did see a, a link to the Futurama episode that had a, a like an anime-inspired segment in it, which I 
I do remember that uh, that episode. But of course, it it's kind of like the way anime always appears in uh, in U.S. cartoons and uh, and animation. They uh, they they all kind of parody the same sort of stuff. So, uh, but it's amusing. Uh, the one that stands out because I, I remember him costuming over the years, uh, Adam Savage of Mythbusters fame, uh, would always put costumes together, uh, to go around, uh, what is it, the, the Comic Cons, I, I forget if he did it more than one con, I think he did it at, uh, San Diego Comic Con, uh, but he would of course have to do some kind of full body thing, because otherwise he'd get recognized right away. Uh, so over the years, it became a uh, a bit of a competition for uh, uh, people to follow his tweets or, or other things and try to guess who Adam Savage was. And, and that year, he was uh, no face from Spirited Away. So I, re I remember the costume. And it was fun. Right on. So, all right, let's go ahead. Let's get into our top series of 2011. As I mentioned at the top of the show, when we did 2010, we didn't have a really real format for it. We just opened up the Wikipedia page and started reading off what series were released that year. And like I said, it got a little rambly. So this time what we're going to do is we're going to narrow it down to our top five series of the year, along with some honorable mentions. 2011, I don't know about you, but for me, it was really hard to narrow it down to five. I find that interesting. That makes me curious about your list. Now, we might overlap uh, a bit on the general quality, but you're saying your all-time favorite year, and I'm like, oh, well, when I read this list, I'm going to have a huge issue with it. And then when I threw a lot of them in, I'm like, ah, you know, there, there's stuff here, but I don't feel like I'm making huge decisions. So when I reviewed the year... I feel like I probably didn't have anywhere near uh, the amount that, that you did for it. And like when I was reading through, I'm like, well, here are some things he's probably trying to chew through. Uh, so I'm curious. I, I think I uh, left out one, uh, one of these. This, this being the decade in review, it's not necessarily pick your top five. It's pick five things that you want to talk about. So it doesn't have to be. Now, most of the time, we probably want to talk about our favorite stuff or meaningful things. Uh, I think 2010 had some of the ones that I would have picked for a meaningful reason rather than being anywhere near a top. Uh, 2011 didn't, but I, I skewed a little bit sideways. There, There's probably one or two that uh, rank higher that I left off likely assuming they'll be on with you or, you know, always come to mind. Uh, but the starting two, uh, uh, I have to put on because of things that I give a 10, which are few and far between. I can't leave any of them off. So, uh, do we want to toss out a few honorable mentions first though? Yeah, let's do that. Let's start with yours. I only have 
one that I want to bring up. Uh, so I assume you have probably more than that. I have a few. They're really more for humorous reasons. One is uh, the the anime Bakuman was uh, in 2011, and the reason I mention it is to remind everyone that this is a manga about making manga, and so as much as a lot of people swear by the anime, it should never be watched. You must read Bakuman. You are not allowed to watch Bakuman. It is a heresy of a sort. So... Uh, the, the next series I ran across is uh, Sket Dance, which my brain for no reason always goes to Skip Beat instead. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm a... and then I'm like, oh, no, that's not the thing I want. I want to watch Sket Dance one point because I always think about Skip Beat when I do it. And I feel like I need to make my brain get out of that mode. Yeah, you really really do. <laughs> They're probably not terribly similar. Uh, and the last thing I wanted to mention is uh, Hyogemono. And this is just out of personal shame, because this is a 24-volume manga series. It had 39 episodes. It's entirely about a warlord during the Warring States period who gets obsessed with tea ceremony. And just the fact that that exists, I do not uh, know how I have not watched it before now. So that is that is a point of shame that I must share with the world. So that's all. Okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I only have a couple that I want to bring up. I actually just pulled up the page just to make sure that I wasn't forgetting anything. And there actually is one other thing that I want to bring up besides what I had planned. Uh, the first one I want to bring up is uh, Fate Zero. This was the year of uh, Jen Urobuchi really just hitting it out of the park. <laughs> He did Minoka Mantica this year. He did Fate Zero this year. So this was his kind of breakout year. So I wanted to make sure that one of us at least mentioned that in passing. I wasn't going to mention it because I thought it might make your list. But uh... yeah. Yeah, so I just wanted to mention it in passing real fast. Uh, we'll talk more about Jen later on. So. It's not a huge deal. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing I want to mention is a series that really was underappreciated both at the time and ever since, and that would be the comedy series Bento. Uh, okay. Bento, if you're not aware, is literally about college students getting into knockout, dragout, fights at supermarkets trying to get discounted lunch bentos. And As one is, does. Yeah, it is really an underappreciated <laughs> series. So that came out this year. It's really worth mentioning uh, because not enough people watched it. The last thing I want to briefly hit on 
is something that I wanted to put on my list, but I didn't. Uh, and that'd be Hanasaku Iroha, which is another series that came out this year that was just absolutely gorgeous. And not enough people, I think, paid attention to it uh, at the time. Either that or they did pay attention to it and then forgot about it later, which is, either way, it's a crime. I, I feel like Bento could have been a Ranma one-half arc that was extended into its own series. <laughs> so, uh, right. getting into our main list, though. So, you mentioned earlier that you were just throwing out five series that you wanted to talk about. I chose a slightly different approach. I went with five series that, yes, I want to talk about them, but the reason why I want to talk about them is because they were some of my top picks for that year. Sure. Uh, so, you know, either way, should be fun. Uh, let's go ahead, let's start with your list. What series occupies your first spot? Okay. Uh, as will come apparent, I do have a movie in here, so it'll be four okay. series in a movie. Uh, I mean, you mentioned that uh, Gen was going to uh, come up, and I said I'm going to front load and use some of my tens, so we might as well talk about Madoka now. Yeah, uh, let's just get that out of the way. <laughs> Who I who I'm sure is also on your own list. Yes. So uh, I'm not sure if we've chatted too much about the series in in other podcasts, but uh, and obviously we talked the, about it when we did the alphabetical list because sure, it was your sure. M. So we yeah. did talk about it a little bit. Okay. And it feels like one of those things that you don't really have to talk about it. Uh, it it feels like something that you definitely would ascribe modern classic to you know that it's going to have staying power uh, maybe it's not watched as much as even some of the older pure classics like uh, Cowboy Bebop are to the modern audience but uh, the, the kind of uh, uh, dominance within the uh, uh, zeitgeist is uh, still very huge for it, especially since every time some kind of twist on a magical girl series comes out, the first thing everyone talks about is, you know, how it exists in relationship to uh, Madoka Magica. But uh, I did not watch this one weekly. I don't recall if it was released weekly out here again this it is very was early it was, yeah. one, it was one of the last series i remember watching on fan, on digital fan subs okay so yeah i don't remember when crunchyroll picked it up when i watched it obviously i i knew the reputation going in i didn't know the ins and outs going in but it was a a fairly easy and very hugely impactful uh, marathoning. I didn't go through all of them, but this this had kind of a weird cycle uh, because I think for a, a few days in a row, I would just take it in three episodes at a time. And uh, that seems to be the very best way <laughs> to to watch Madoka Magica. 
uh, by me. And I've, I've mentioned before that uh, it's not something that I rewatch a lot in a whole, but I have rewatched the final two episodes of it. Uh, or the last bit, uh, like the, uh, the big fight in episode 11 and then all of episode uh, 12. Uh, many, many times just because I'm simply reabsorbing the, the impact. And I, I consider the way it wraps up as, as close to perfection as it can be. So uh, while you are not, I know you've watched Rebellion, you're not allowed to say anything about it other than your general impression of it. Because I will, just like I will never watch Bakuman, I will not risk Rebellion because I don't know what'll happen. Even though some people have spoiled or, you know, implied certain elements of it, it's not enough to make me go, oh, well, I might as well watch it. So I'm I'm still holding out. Uh, and because it seems fairly contentious, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to leave Madoka where it is. But uh, when, when, when at do you think you uh, absorbed it? Was it pretty much close to release? Yeah, Madoka Magica, uh, like I said, it was one of the very last series that I remember watching on d digital fan subs. Um, so I was watching it weekly as it came out, and I was engaged in a lot of the discourse that was going on about it. So I remember Madoka Magica very clearly, mostly because of... For months afterward, I would get into these long, drawn-out debates on hmm. on Q-Bay with one of my co-workers. Nice. And we would just go on and on and on because she was of the opinion that Q-Bay was inherently evil. And I was in the case of, he, no, he's not. We would just go on and on. And yeah, that series, to generate that level of debate for that long, really, it, it hit home just how powerful that series was. Um, I'd also go as far to say that that series converted me into being a really big fanboy for Shaft and Ahiyuki Shimbo. Now that is definitely something that I miss. I, w I wasn't in an, anything you could really call a social group or, or otherwise. Uh, well, I had Twitter. I didn't chat about anime on, on Twitter. So whatever was going on, it, it was outside of my typical sphere. I just had a, you know, regular friends that I would chat with. And they were not uh, a whole batch of otaku who would bash things around. But when it's a kind of, I, I feel the effect, you know, sharply because when I was watching weekly things like uh, Erased, uh, ReZero later on, and there was just a, a tonnage of all of us chatting about every single aspect of it and re-watching re the same episode two or three times, 
to make sure that we weren't missing elements and other stuff. I, I feel like that would have been uh, the very best one. I keep saying the very best. Uh, my very best friend. Uh, <laughs> I feel like that would have been if not the best one of the two have been taking in weekly so that you could obsess over it weekly and pour over it and watch it three to four times while it's still airing uh, just to obsess over it. So I, I do I do wish I had been able to at the time or I'd been tuned in at that point. Uh, thankfully, there you know the way that I watch now, I, I get to participate in that uh, uh, for the shows that I want to with. But uh, that'll always be a bit of a uh, a bit of a sad thing to me. Interestingly, I have experimented with Madoka on other people who are not, you know huge, particularly huge otaku, and who do not have, say, a foundation of, you know, shoujo or magical girl anything, really, other than, you know, side knowledge of Sailor Moon or having watched some Sailor Moon, but it not really being a thing. And it's still hugely affecting. It, it kind of doesn't matter. As long as someone gets into the aesthetic and the core concept of it, just the way it plays out. Uh, it seems to hit people and be appreciated by people, no matter how much of a, uh, you know, full, full bore otaku they are. Honestly, I wish I could say that I've had the same experiences with that as you have. Pretty much the only people that I've been able to successfully convert with this series are hmm. already hardcore otaku who can handle the aesthetic. Um, my wife in particular is one person who absolutely hates the visual aesthetic of Madoka Magica to the point where if I tell her, oh, you should watch this series, it's from the same director as Madoka Magica, that's enough. <laughs> like, no! Yeah, she okay. will literally pause and that is... have to think about it if if I tell her that it's from the same director. It's actually the reason why she's never watched the Monogatari series, is because she knows it's from the same director and she's not sure she can handle it. Haven't gotten, uh, right, the the Shaft uh, linkage to the Monogats uh, to the same effect, but have to uh, Sangatsu no Lion. So, uh, it took a bit for, I think, for a number of people. Remember when I said that it's best watched in threes? Mm -hmm. Now, it might have been best to watch episode to episode, so you could have gotten the full effect. But after the fact, when you can just watch all 12 at once if you want, I think doing it in threes is pretty great. Watch three, come back to it the next day, watch three more. So I get the whoever I'm trying to intro through it, they have to commit to the three. So it helps the aesthetic sink in. And then also there's the, you know, that spoilery event at the very end of episode three that can turn someone around from thinking they know what's going on to sort of a, well, holy shit moment 
and then it it just you know it has changed the flavor of everything that's uh, to come, so it catches a number of people at that point. But yeah, uh, the issue with that point is that if you don't like mommy, then it has the opposite effect. My wife <laughs> literally, my wife will literally cheer at that moment. <laughs> okay. She hated mommy Tomoe with a passion. And wow. so when she got to that moment, she was like, yes! <laughs> that, that's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. She so, definitely had a much different reaction to this than uh, than my exposure. Now, there's plenty of people who I see, you know, bad-mouthing it in general. I think a lot of it comes from uh, generic having to hate stuff that uh, is popular or highly yeah. rated that's not your bag, therefore it suddenly becomes it's, well, it can't possibly be a, a 10 because I don't like this kind of thing, so it's a 2. Uh, <laughs> it seems to be a, a bunch of reactionary about it, but uh, that reaction's a little uh, a little bit more amusing than uh, <laughs> that I have run across previously. So, uh, is, is there... Anything we want to do to end chatting about uh, Madoka other than to say that uh, Homura did nothing wrong? Or is that the right <laughs> way to... Uh, did, was there anything that you wanted to express about Rebellion that I cannot? Uh, I only know your general impression. Yeah, my general impression is that you are better off. Don't watch it. Well, there you have it, folks. Don't watch Pokemon. Don't watch Rebellion. We we are here to make sure that your path through anime past and present is uh, done the right way. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to go into huge details, uh, especially because you asked me not to. But yeah, if I could go back in time, I <laughs> would have watched Rebellion. If I could turn back time. <laughs> okay, I guess so, all right, I guess that's all that needs to be said. Yeah, so let's go ahead. Let's move on. What's your number four slot? Okay, my next mention again. Front loading here again with one of my uh, ten out of tens, even though it's an unfinished series. Uh, the objectively second best uh, anime of all time, which is of course Chihaya Furu. Yep, that's on my list as well. So we let's gosh, I <laughs> we we could uh, have some dedicated cast just to like full spoiler gush cast. Yeah, uh, we totally could, especially about this one. Yeah, this one I was definitely you know watching. I didn't actually. Uh, again, I don't recall if it was going weekly at the time. Or it if it was, was something yeah. where weekly from one, or did it start going weekly, like, later on? No, this one was broadcast day and day. Okay. I did, this was not one that I caught day and date. however. Again, I wasn't really talking with people about it or sharing, uh, trying to get people to join me and watching it as it aired. Uh... So I did pick it up probably 
sometime in 2012, a little later on, it just it became something where I, I think I wasn't sure what was going on, and I was compelled by uh, the cover image. Mm-hmm. And uh, then, I, of course, I was just compelled by everything about the damn show. So uh, I don't know if you uh, were able to uh, watch it week to week. Uh, obviously, season two, I did, uh, you know, keep up immediately. But uh, I were... did not get into this one right away. I mm-hmm. actually completely ignored this title for the first about six weeks that it was out. But then my coworker, the same one that I would have the long drawn out Madoka Magica arguments <laughs> with, okay. uh, told me that I had to watch this one. And so I watched the first episode and it was like, okay. That I can see where I can see why this is interesting, and then I watched the next two or three, and it became an obsession for me, and I was converting whomever I could into watching this for the next rest of the decade. <laughs> Absolutely, this is another one where when I pull someone into it, I set an expectation that they will commit to watching the first five episodes, which I feel all together make like, even if all you got was a movie just with those five episodes with a slightly tweaked ending. So it wasn't, you know, open-ended. I feel like it would still be a very, you know, nice and filling kind of movie. Uh, but on the on the whole, wrapping their entire youth arc together is just the best way to to do it. Sit down, watch watch five episodes of this. If you somehow do not like it by the time it is over, then don't bother. It, it's not. Go- <laughs> I can't see how uh, how it's going to appeal to you after that. If the first five, that whole stretch doesn't bring you in. Maybe you just don't like kids. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but I think it was a, you know, a, a particularly great use of the... Well, I guess it's kind of a time unskip. <laughs> it's, it's obviously a flashback, but you barely get any, uh, any modern day before you start in there. So it's really just the, the usual thing where, like, a... a author will write their first volume is the setup and then they perform the time skip after that point. It just it goes together so well and it makes, I think it draws a particularly effective way of making Chihaya just a such a huge level of best girl from <laughs> the way that she uh, adopts Arata to begin with, the way that she gets into it. It's it's such an effective entry point into the weirdest freaking game. And, like, the hardest thing you would think for uh, any non-Japanese audience to there, we have no cultural connection to the game, and they, they seem, people seem to play it like a nice game of memory, effectively. Uh, 
it's of course got cultural impact from all of the uh, uh, poetry, uh, the, the you know the hundred poets uh, or poems. Um, specifically, uh, the f but the fact that there's a competitive version where you're just slapping them off the field and there's a, uh, a chanting element to to all of it. It's such a strange and unique game that I feel that it's weird to, to talk about it this way, but I feel like it's the closest thing to capturing why, for instance, I love Magic the Gathering, which I got obsessed with when it came out and think is the best game of human creation. So uh, it feels like it's more of a series about something like that than any of the, you know, huge number of card game based anime uh, that's out there. Yu-Gi-Oh, which of course I detest. Uh, <laughs> a lot of them are, you know, sort of uh, kids focused, but even ones that aren't necessarily and have more to them, like uh, Wickross, it doesn't capture the game element of it and the level of obsession about the minutiae of the game. Uh, in this case, Chihayafuru is effectively the best sports anime because that's what it is in structure. <laughs> but it's just real a real freaking weird sport. And I I particularly enjoy the weird the weirder stuff. I, I enjoy sports anime a lot more, I think, when they're offbeat. So if it's about bicycling or badminton or Karata, uh, I I think I enjoy them a lot more than your basketballs and your baseballs. So uh, I took up a lot of gush time, so uh, however you want to uh, continue with meaningful moments of... I only really talked about Chihaya, of course. Yeah, I mean, Chihaya for, like I said, I didn't get into it right away. I waited a good six, seven weeks and only watched it because my co-worker would not shut up about it. Good call. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was absolutely sucked in within those first five episodes. It was just absolutely amazing. I still will push it on fan on other anime fans to this day. If I hear that they have not watched it, it is one of my first recommendations to them. Even the even for newcomers or for ones that you know have been around the bend a little bit but just haven't watched it yet. Uh, I tend to recommend it to people who have been around the bend a few times um, rather than to newcomers. I don't see any reason why I wouldn't recommend it to a newcomer. Um, I've had pretty good success with this series. Again, my wife is one of the outliers who does not like this series because she can't get past the chanting. Uh, uh, well, I suppose that's potentially a thing I was going to say. Why, why are you still married here? I'm, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of uh, troubles in paradise. 
Madoka and Chihaya. But the uh, the chanting thing, that, that's interesting. I certainly know that there are... It's just specifically the audible element of it. Just yeah, like something just, that is... It just hits a nerve for her and she doesn't like it. I can see that there are certain voices of characters or certain things that go on that can make me just sort of bail on something. I'm pretty sure, though, that even if an element like that existed in Chihaya Furu for me, that I would just force my way through it until I learned to love that, too. <laughs> but I can confirm that, uh, that it does work even on people who uh, do not... Uh, uh, do not or have not watched a whole lot. Again, my my friend and her passel of kids in California, uh, they picked up Chihaya Furu, they picked up Space Brothers. I didn't test Madoka Magica on them, because when you have kids going down as low as four, I'm not real sure what... <laughs> <laughs> what to do there? This seems like the wrong material. But, yeah, uh, that might be skewing a little closer to traumatic. There's there's other traumatic that uh, they can get caught up with, and I'm sure one of those will be mentioned this year on your list. So, I mean, the, I'm trying to place what exactly it is about... Because uh, I mentioned this is my second favorite. I've mentioned before that Space Brothers is my favorite. I It seems like there's just a thing where when you have a huge... You know, a, a diverse level of cast going on and you just get introduced to people and every time you learn more about them, you like them more. You find out that they're all basically good people. Every, everyone is a... Good, good boy. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the supporting cast in Chihaya Furu is, of course, great. But even people who come in obnoxious, uh, and especially the people who come in weird, you get to uh, love. And they always see that they're always written to give them moments that you can really bond with them about. So it, it ju they just come across as such heartfelt overall works that while you're following along with the story, you just keep pulling more and more people for you to uh, uh, embrace as uh, as good friends, including the enemies. You know, your antagonists in these series are always, they're not, you know, like the, the shonen level of get beaten by the hero and are redeemed and become good guys and join the team. Uh, they are simply viewed as antagonists from a certain angle, and then the more that you learn about them, and uh, especially in, say, between Chihai and the Queen, uh, the more that you see how she is, how Chihai is responding to Shinobu uh, and to uh, Karuta as a sport, as a vocation. Uh, as it were, you're you're drawn in overall. Uh, so it it's just it's just very marvelous. Uh, did you continue with it in the manga, or uh, is that I another one? I have not read the manga yet. Okay. 
it definitely should be, and I, I believe it is still just being, uh, it hasn't finished yet. I thought they were going to, to time it around around the uh, season three was to wrap the manga up. I'm not sure how much more we're going to get, but uh, it's still going. Uh, folks are translating it, so it's definitely a, a worthy thing to collect. Uh, three of my favorite manga pages ever, just sort of expressing uh, what I feel Chihaya Furu is about. Hasn't happened in the uh, in the anime yet, but uh, in the manga, that's that's another thing. I'll go back and I'll reread the chapter just specifically to get those three pages, and uh, just to get all choked up about it because it rules. So, I certainly think you should. Is is that like with Space Brothers something where you normally wait for the story to actually be over? Uh, it's not so much that I'm waiting for it to be over so much as I know that it's going on for a long time and that's kind of intimidating to me. That's just your your usual. You do a whole lot more anime and a whole lot less manga. Yeah, so it's not so much that I don't want to, it's just that the length of it is kind of intimidating, and I don't know if I have it in me to commit to that much manga. <laughs> 99 episodes of an anime, sure. 30 volumes of a manga, though. Mm. To be fair, I watched the 99 episodes of Space Brothers Weekly, so I was breaking it up into half hour a week. Uh, and I had no idea that I was signing up for 99 episodes <laughs> of Space Brothers when I started. That's, I thought I was signing up for, like, 26. That's true. I, I joined, I forget, but it was somewhere, I think, in the uh, in the low 20s. And, uh, yeah, I was constantly shocked. I'm like, they're making more? I mean... I'm very happy, <laughs> but it did not feel like the kind of thing, you know, it, it was not your Detective Conan's or your Naruto's Shippuden, uh, where they just keep going over and over again. And it felt crazy that we just kept getting more Space Brothers, so... Yeah, I mean, we're going to we talk more about more. the 2012 cast. But... I have a feeling it might come up. Yeah, but I will say very quickly about it is the only thing that really shocked me about it was how quickly it ended. We got, like, how much warning that the series yeah. was coming to an end? As far as I know, zero warning, because I had finally got my friend... I was watching Space Brothers at that point, the minute that it started with a friend in Japan, because it lined up very well. The moment it posted on Crunchyroll, he had time in uh, his schedule uh, on the weekend, and I had time, so we would watch it immediately while chatting in uh, Slack. Uh, and uh, then we'd sit there for a bit. If he had time, uh, we'd chat about the episode for a while and things in general. Then later that day or the other day, I would watch with my other friend in California <laughs> when she had time. Uh, so I would I would be watching it a, a whole bunch, and literally episode 99 was the one where I finally got all of us together. 
uh, I got them starting to chat with each other. We uh, we watched that uh, that episode, and as we we're coming to the end of it, we're like, "What? <laughs> it's, wait, I think it's actually ending here. God damn it!" <laughs> So I don't remember it. Uh, I wasn't. I don't think I was looking at the news at the time, but I I didn't remember knowing that it wasn't continuing, and because it had just kept going, especially episode ninety nine. I'm like, why wouldn't they go to a hundred? No matter what's gonna go on, why would you stop at ninety nine? That's crazy. <laughs> but that's what they did. So I right, we got a little off topic there. Let's go ahead. Let's veer back to our lists. Uh, what is your number three spot? Okay. Um, I feel like I might actually be leaving something that would be on your list at this point. I guess we will find out. Uh, I did not watch it at the time. It was one of those things that... What is it? I knew about... I knew people thought fairly highly of it. I uh, always... I kept a meaning to watch it, but I was watching too much other stuff, so my, you know, pile of shame just kept getting more pilier, and that one never broke the surface. And then at one point, it left legal streaming licensing for a while. And uh, I was like, damn it, I lost my opportunity to watch it. Uh, I mean, legally, at that point, I didn't care. So uh, I had always responded well to the memes and the surrealness of it in the same way that I love your Azumanga Dios. But uh, the series Nichijo, which is my next pick, is just so screwy beyond that uh, that it really sticks with me. And especially because, you know, it's uh, uh, Kyoto Animation. It's the best animated most weirdly just like hugely animated, I, I'm not almost sure, not sure how to describe it. It is just so well and detailed in its animation, in service of completely pointless, zany, surreal horseshit most of the time, <laughs> which which I just love. So uh, there's not a whole lot to talk about it other than to tell people to, to watch it if they have not. Uh, it's definitely being one of those just randomly humorous sorts of things. Uh, uh, obviously, the, you're just going to find out pretty quickly if the humor sits with you or not. But I love things like Arakawa Under the Bridge. I love most surreal comedies as long as there is a particular quality and cleverness to them, the uh, presentation of this one is unique and pretty screwball, and uh, and it, it's just great. So uh, I I had this one edge out one of the ones that I'm pretty sure will be on your list anyway, so we'll still be able to to talk about that. Uh, I don't know what what you want to chat about or ask about as far as Nichijou goes. I remember with Nichijou that 
I really enjoyed it at the time. I have not gone back to it uh, since I watched it the uh, the first time it was out. Uh, I do remember how surprised everyone was that Kyoto Animation, of all places, was putting out a surreal comedy like this. It was so unlike anything else that they had done at the time. Right. And in fact, the, uh, what is it, the the director, of course, was Air and Canon and, and Clanad and Haruhi. And then uh, the, this, you can kind of see it going down a surreal and screwball direction with Haruhi, of course, uh, because of the out of order and the particularly weird nature that its humor would, would turn to from time to time. But uh, the man real deli- really delivered here. So uh, yeah, I mean you- the only the thing is with Nietzsche Joe is that this was a delayed hit, if you even want to call it that. I don't know what the sales figures for this series was down the line. I know when it was first released, it did not do well in the least. Uh, And I remember there was a quote, a famous quote at the time from another director who actually went on the record to say that Nietzsche Joe has proved that Kyoto animation is not infallible. (laughs) Well, uh, I suppose that's true. I mean, the Literally, that was the thing following Kaon. But they already had a Haruhi Season 2 and the Endless 8, so I'd kind of think that for most people... It was also Ishihara, so same director. You uh, you might say uh, that the Endless 8, for a lot of people, was the first was the first thing that made people blink, even if they still enjoyed Haruhi overall. Uh, but yeah, that... Right, Nichi Joe's particular humor brand. I'm not sure how you'd place it alongside things like Azumanga Dayo, Lucky Star, uh, Arakawa. It uh, it certainly occupies its own space well enough, but uh, as with anything that's comedy, it's going to be very subjective. Uh, and I only knew it by reputation from down the line, and I basically I got to it in like 2018, so I wasn't watching it at the time. I watched it recently, and therefore I want to mention it, give it its due, and uh, encourage folks to check it out. So, alright, so for my number three, I am gonna go with one of the very first uh, Noitamina series that I watched. Up until this point, I had always considered anything that aired in the Noitamina block to be kind of boring and not something that I would be necessarily interested in. How different I feel now is very off topic, but... Anyways, so this was one of the very first Noitamina series that really captured my attention, and that would be Anohana. That was the one that I had Nichijou edge out because I knew you were going to pick it anyway. (laughs) So so I get to talk about it too. 
and yes, the moment you mentioned Noitamina, that's it's interesting. I don't think I was paying attention to the broadcast blocks at the time, and I certainly wouldn't have taken notice there. When I did know about it at the time, you're already getting things like uh, Kids on the Slope and uh, Anohana and uh, Usagi Drop and Princess Jellyfish, Moyashima, literally anything that I went back, I pretty much uh, ended up loving in some way, shape, or form. Nodame Cantabile is on there, but that's not on your list, so... Uh, I think it started with Honey and Clover, too, so... Yeah, yes, I no, so. I, I, I certainly love it. I don't remember what it's like lately. Uh, it had that disruption time when, when Amazon, you know, purchased five years of exclusivity for Anime Strike and, uh, and kept it going. So I, I think it may have uh, suffered a bit comparatively in recent years, but I'd have to review it. But uh, yeah, Anahana. That's a hell of a show. <laughs> well put. So you, it's your list, so uh, start us off. Alright, so Anohana, like I mentioned, it was one of the early uh, Noitamina shows of the year. It premiered in the spring. I have another Noitamina show that we're going to be talking about that aired in the summer. So this was the first year that I really paid attention to that animation block and saw what it was really capable of and what the kind of things that they were trying to show were. Uh, Anohana had me from the very first episode. I still have many screen caps from it that are from the digital fan subs that I watched at the time. I don't remember when or when it first appeared on a legal streaming channel. I think it was on Nico Nico at first, but I'm not a hundred percent about that. I certainly watched it on the, Crunchyroll and shared it on Crunchyroll, so I assume it was there pretty early. Uh, I don't recall it at what year necessarily, so uh, of course it may not have been at, at broadcast time. We're still spring 2011, they weren't grabbing everything. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that it was on Nico Nico at first when they were making a play for the United States audience and then failed miserably like a few months later. Always interesting to see these people be like, let's do it. Let's give it really no effort and abandon it right away. And it's like, but hmm. you'd think if you're going to say, let's do it, you would have more of a plan. Yeah. <laughs> or, or at least more uh, resolve behind uh, your intention. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, but Anohana still to this day, I don't revisit it very often, but those final episodes just waterworks every single time. Oh, yeah. I mean, it doesn't take really any... Uh, particular doing for me to go all field storm, but uh, Anahana, especially uh, right at the you know the very end, uh, 
is uh, is pretty gut wrenching. It obviously has a uh, deserved reputation. Of course, for a lot of people, they feel it is too melodramatic. Uh, for a lot of people, you know, it's it's their introduction to Mario Kata, who, of course, I follow around pretty much all over the place. But more more specifically, the uh, the fact that uh, she and Tatsuyuki Nagai, the director, uh, and the uh, character designer, basically, they they are their own uh, little collective. That <laughs> they are creative super peace busters team. Uh, so they would do uh, the anthem of the heart later, which is one of my favorite movies. Uh, Her Blue Sky, I've been... I forget now if I'm still waiting for. I can't remember. I guess it did come out in Japan prior to uh, COVID. But obviously any any chance of it coming out here with the theater run was, was very disrupted. But uh, it's it's very... It's very interesting in general, but any time someone mention, like will tie back to it and we're sitting in the uh, area of some kind of drama uh, with with some manner of heartstring element attached, I'm like, okay, I'm, I am here for this feels coaster. Bring me along. Do your worst. Uh, and so far they've always been really great. Now, I do remember that Anohana had the movie come out. This was very early, I feel, in the uh, theater. Actually, having anime films have theater runs out here. Mm -hmm. uh, I was kind of paying attention, but I wasn't paying attention enough, and I missed it by like a week. And that pissed me off, because I'm like, damn it, I could have watched this in the theater. And it never made the rounds again. So uh, after that day, I've, I've been much more hardcore about making sure that anything that had a possible theater run that I wanted to see and was near enough to me, I've, uh, I have uh, sucked it in. So uh... I actually did watch the movie in the theater. I remember I watched it and I wrote about it for Japanator. The reason why I remember it is mostly because I got there early enough that I got the special limited edition theatrical gift where they gave out special letters from Menma to different characters as a special gift and I still have mine sealed up somewhere in my house. I've never opened it. Nice. So, yeah, so that's a pretty good memory for me. I only have one Menma scale figure. I should probably have more, but uh, it's the best one, so I'm satisfied. Are you going to pick up the Bunny Girl Menma figure that's getting, that's getting released? <laughs> that's too wrong, man. <laughs> I don't... Uh, there's only one, uh, one Bunny Girl figure that I want, and that is uh, my from Bunny Girl Senpai, because it has an actual role 
in the work. I've never been a terribly huge fan of it. It it seems like a a weird thing. I could see it conceivably if I were a character collector, but I'm really much more of a find good, meaningful, you know, scenes of characters around the series. So I don't collect a half dozen, a dozen of a particular character I like. I'll get two is a stretch. Three is way more of a stretch. I don't I don't think I'd ever break that, but I, I want them to express their character. I don't want them to be in something, uh, uh, you know, flaunty like that. And uh, especially with Menma, that just feels wrong. <laughs> so there's, there's an extra level of wrong to go on top of the uh, not liking the, the bunny girl figures anyway. So I, Let's go ahead. Let's move along. What is your number two series? It is not a series. This is a choice. It is a... I'm hesitant to call it a movie because it's only 40-ish minutes. But it does... It's not really an OVA. Most people call it a movie. Uh, It was very early work by uh, the author who would later bring us uh, Natsume's Book of Friends, uh, which I can see very much the parallels to it. Uh, It's a short, sweet shoujo romance tale uh, called Hotarubi no Morie. This is one of those things that I was... I kept seeing it mentioned when people were asked to list favorite romance things or favorite uh, uh, shoujo things or sometimes even favorite movies. You'd get this kind of thing in there. And every time I looked it up, I'm like, it's not even a movie, man. It's like 40 minutes. But it is a very effective, very affecting uh, uh, short film in this case, I guess we'll we'll call it. So I wanted to highlight this specifically because it's it it represents a kind of short form storytelling that can still be uh, very effective. Tell a good story. Tell a you know a very feelsville uh, story. Tell even an effective romance in a very short period of time and deliver it in a way that most people don't get or or don't really think about. I don't know how often, you know, one or two episode OVAs are even looked at these days as works of their own or short films. Uh, You get very little of it, and I don't think you get terribly impactful ones. And the, uh, you know, this is this is very much just like a, a fairy tale sort of thing. I don't know how much you know of it or want me to share about the works of it, but, uh, or, or just leave it as more of a, of an encouragement. But uh, it's, uh, it's a, it's a nice little supernatural romance that takes place over... Uh, uh, 
a series of years, so you get to watch the main girl grow up and uh, the spirit that she's interacting with not. And it's uh, kind of a melancholic overall, uh, but, but sweet romance tale that is told through it. I don't know, there's not a whole lot to say other than uh, watch it, although you gotta pirate it, because I don't think it's ever been... Uh, I don't think it's ever been localized, which is a damn shame. I did yeah, look for it before I've the podcast. Yeah, I've never even heard of this one, which kind of surprises me. It's it's one of those things that I kept seeing people mention on, you know, our anime, and uh, <laughs> therefore it got me curious, and I would look at the wiki, and I'd be like, this is, seems like such a weird one to to even, you know, make that stick with you. But uh, after I watched it, I'm like, oh, okay, I fully understand. <laughs> and you can see a lot of, uh, you know, the DNA of things and and the, the, the light touch that uh, Natsume's Book of Friends often have, has in this particular work. And this one, right, was a one-volume short work from uh, back in 2002, so it was a little weird that it got a 2011 adaptation. But uh, I'm certainly glad it did, and I feel like that's something that you should search out once we stop recording and uh, uh, acclimate it. It's obviously not much of a time investment, so uh, if... If you want some uh, some good feels, I say go for it. I will keep that in mind. So, alright, so for my next series, I am going to go ahead and bump off a series that we've already talked about before on a different podcast. Um, I'll replace it with something else. Uh, so, originally, I was going to bring up Bunny Drop as my next 2011 series, but... That, like that I was said, the Summer Noitamida, so I assume that's what was talked yeah. about. Yeah. So, but we've talked about it pretty in-depth on other episodes, so mm-hmm. I don't feel the need to bring it up again. Instead, I'm going to bring up the series that could have been so much bigger if it had gotten a television deal or even a Netflix deal just a little bit faster, and that would be Tiger and Bunny. Ah, okay. Tiger and Bunny is one of the best superhero series created, uh, not only of last decade, but pretty much any decade. It was just (laughs) so well done. Um... And I remember the buzz around it was fairly strong, but it just didn't have enough behind it to really break out into the mainstream. And I still feel to this day that if the series had gotten a television deal in the United States or it had gotten a little bit wider spread, uh than what it got when it was first released. I think it was originally released on Hulu, and that's it. Hmm. Uh, Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong about that, by the way. Uh, Uh, I think it was, you know, Viz was still probably doing their Neon Alley stuff. They had a pretty tight relationship with, with Hulu, so it's probably right. 
Yeah, so, but yeah, so I really still strongly feel that this series could have been massive uh, had it gotten a bigger push uh, when it first came out. That's, that's one that I know a lot of people have spoken a lot of good about, but uh, me... Me and Sunrise and Mecca don't always mesh too well. So I, it, it's still, you know, reasonably on my list, but I've never really felt the, uh, the, the pull yet. Especially after you know, people mentioned uh, the recent, you know, Doug and Kirill thing kind of in relation uh to this particular work and i watched a bit of that and it was okay but not something that uh oh what is it uh, that i would go out of my way for so i'm still not entirely sold on uh <clears throat> tiger and bunny especially in lieu of double decker just being sort of fun but not compelling for me so if I'm not sure when I'll get around to Tiger Bunny. Would feature someone to recommend this series to you? If only, if only. I, I don't see that being likely, though. Yes, uh, no, I, I know. Uh, again, it's it's tr how do you organize everything that's on your pile of shame? You can, of course, force it in in one fashion. So uh, it, it it may just come up on. Uh, Expanding horizons, if nothing else. So we'll we'll see, we'll see. But uh, it looks fun. But uh, uh, I'm not sure how 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 deep it's gonna sit. One of these days. One of these days. But it's nice to see that you. Uh, you're leaning on it enough to to bump out the uh, the likes of Usagi Drop, just like uh, I could possibly bump out the likes of Anohana. So, uh, if we're moving on to my last one, then yeah, let's go for it. We're gonna talk about one of your honorable mentions, okay? Because I am a PA works whore in general, and Hanasaku Iroha is still my favorite PA works, even over Shirobako and, uh, and other stuff. Maybe not over certain points of, of Shirobako and some of the other series, but uh, for, for whatever reason, this particular coming-of-age slice-of-life Kind of a weird form of, uh, uh, you know, romance, romantic comedy. Uh, it just hit from a number of different directions. And overall, I just, you know, love the characters in general. Uh, I believe this is uh, uh, obviously more Mario Kata influence coming here. That This will probably stick <laughs> for, for a long time. Uh I, I like a, a whole lot about it, even though a number of episodes are pretty disjointed. You get these sort of mini arcs with characters coming in, 
uh, Ohana's mother shows up or a film crew shows up to do stuff at the inn. Uh, so in some ways it feels disjointed. It doesn't have quite the same flow that a lot of other things have. So I, I think I've seen a lot of people consider it like it, they would have enjoyed it more if it was a tighter single core rather than two. Uh, I think it actually serves it quite well in general because of things that are slice of lifey, this feels more slice of lifey in general. Uh, obviously, our our protagonist going off and it, it's your usual fish out of water changing situation. She's forced to basically leave her home and her school and her budding possible romance with someone who effectively confesses to her in episode one because she's moving. So therefore, she's suddenly considering something, but it turns immediately into not a they're interacting with each other in school. It's kind of a she's processing uh, her relationship with her mother, a new relationship with her grandmother that she really hasn't had because the, the family members have been a bit on the outs. Uh, going from just, you know, lounging around at home to kind of having to work at a hot spring in uh so learning to interact and uh, enjoy the kind of wacky folks who come into and out of the inn in general the people that she works with it's uh you don't get a whole for school age kids you don't get a whole lot of school hijinks with it it's all shifted to the side so whatever romance is going on is kind of askew. The uh, uh, the school aspect is kind of askew, and your frame of reference is mostly with her at work and uh, learning uh, uh, a, a set of... Uh, it, she's kind of growing in ways that you, you normally don't think about when you're just 16. Uh, I know that uh, it's been mentioned that this was going to be the first in their working girls things, of which uh, PA Works is known for with uh, Shirabako specifically, but uh, Sakura Quest and other things. So it was originally going to be older, uh, you know, young women rather than girls in high school focused around and it seems the studio choked on that element because that's not really what sells so it's also interesting to think about this in kind of the formative state of them doing a thing that the whole studio becomes known for specifically and this was their nascent effort it was originally conceived differently and i think that's why a lot of the uh a lot of the situations and a lot of the uh, uh, approach where we have high schoolers is askew specifically because they were thinking about it differently at first and in this case forced to adapt uh, to become about high schoolers. But in, in a lot of ways, it, it just doesn't feel like it. So uh, anyway, you 
you also obviously mentioned it. You gave it uh, barely sublist mention. So, uh, how? At what point did you, you know, come into the series? Uh, you know, what ways did you uh, appreciate it? I guess where where in the uh, list of PA works did this fall for you? It's a it's an early uh, uh, work of theirs, but I think a lot of people probably came to it you know, after experiencing some more uh, uh, straightforward stuff, they kind of work back and, and backfill. This is one of the... I remember this was one of the first series I watched on Crunchyroll. I remember watching it along with a host of other things at the time because this was during a period of my life when I was watching literally pretty much everything that came out every season. Um, I really liked this one at the time, and I'm really glad that I own it. However, I haven't revisited it in a very long time. I would like to go back to it and see if my feelings for it hold up as strongly as I remember it, or if I'm just looking at it through rose-tinted glasses. I just haven't yet, for whatever reason. Uh, I think the main thing about Hamasaku Iroha and the reason why I didn't include it on my list is because the ending to this day still left kind of a bitter taste in my mouth. Did you uh, did you watch the movie? Yeah, I did. Right. The uh, I, certainly the ending leaves a. Uh, a bitter taste in in many ways i think that plays well for it because of the nature of the story it was telling i i rather like things that are melancholic or even a bit of a downer at the end because you're not you know see, you're seeing life as it happens normally rather than the rose-tinted version that people usually want. That's the way most things will end, because they want to please everyone. So uh, I can certainly see uh, see feeling frustrated with it and not getting the kind of closure that you're looking for. But uh, I, I feel like it was, uh, it was very much in form for the series and I, I appreciate it ending in a way that uh, that just kind of feels like life so yeah and that's a totally fair point um, but it is probably the primary reason why I haven't gone back to it in such a long time mm -hmm. uh, I really kind of wish that it had been dubbed so that I could go back to it a little bit easier. Uh, subtitles are just a lot more of a commitment for me. Uh, so it makes it a little more difficult. I think that this series could have been great with an English dub, and I think it would have been a little more accessible that way as well. Uh, so yeah, but it's still a great series, and I still remember it fondly. Yep. I've watched it a few times getting other people into it, so 
I have successfully proselytized, including to someone who's usually not really a romance or a just generic slice of life sort. I think there's a uh, an interesting element to it that'll bring more folks uh, along for the ride that uh, that may not otherwise. Uh, also, uh, damn it, I'm blanking on the uh, I'm blanking on the the insult. But balut. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I it's it was so enjoyable <laughs> that when I would see that uh, being used in other contexts, it uh, brings me back to uh, Minko and uh, and general uh, uh, you know feels from the show. So I have not yet had the opportunity to eat a. Uh, a Balut, and I'm I'm not real sure I would search this thing out because, uh, <laughs> who, conceptually, it's pretty out there. Uh, <laughs> but it was also such an imaginative uh, uh, form of insult. It just makes me giggle every time. So hit me with your last shot. So for my last one, it's another series that I know you haven't seen. I'm going to recommend it to you someday, uh, not <laughs> anytime <laughs> soon, but someday I'm going to recommend it to you. Uh, I couldn't put it on my favorites list when we did the alphabetical podcast because it's not really one of my favorites. It's just a sentimental choice because it was the very first series that I watched weekly with my uh, wife. So it's kind of a sentimental choice in that fashion. And that would be Uta no Prince Sama. Ah, <laughs> okay. I have uh, Uta no Prince Sama started in this year or it was... Uh... It started in 2011. This was hmm. its premiered the summer season on Nico Nico. I have certainly picked up a, a few similar, but I have not gone back. That feels very formative state for, uh, uh, you know, your uh, guy game <laughs> stuff. So, uh, yes, I have not gone... Uh, gone back and and picked up any of it how how well does it uh does it hold up over time it actually for what it is it holds up really well um it follows a pretty typical formula it doesn't it never does anything that's super unexpected which isn't necessarily a bad thing it's just that the series kind of is formulaic in that way but on the same token it's just goofy silly pretty boy singing fun and who can pass that up yeah so i mean it's a series my wife i know i've been bringing her up a lot this podcast but um, <laughs> I wow. remember when this series first aired, we watched the first season together, and I thought that it was fun, and it was cute, and it kept my attention, but I was convinced 
that that was it. It was going to get one season, and then it would just kind of disappear into anime history. Next thing I know, it's getting a season two, then a season three, then a season four, then a movie. To this day, my wife will not let me live it down that I incorrectly predicted that this series would not get a second season. Well, we didn't have a whole lot of uh, idle fare back in those days. It doesn't, at least it doesn't feel like, and certainly not a lot of male idle fare. So it, uh, it definitely feels very progenitor race in that regard. So I, w- I would not blame you for predicting that would be a, a cute little one-off. Yeah, so Uda no Prince-sama, like I said, the music is not incredible. Sometimes it can they have a hit song, sometimes not so much. Um, but for the most part, you're just watching because it's silly antics with pretty boys, and that's pretty much all. If that's all you're looking for then you're going to have a great time with this show. If you're looking for something deep, then you are going to be so shit out of luck. Yeah, well, I don't think one goes to Love Live for a huge depth of uh, of story and character, but you uh, you can always go just to have a fun old time. So, uh... That's nice. Yeah, so Uno Prince Sama, it's something that we revisit every year or so. Maybe we wait a little bit longer than that sometimes, but about once a year, every year and a half, two years, we go back and we revisit the entire franchise. Oh, man. How, how many? You've mentioned seasons, but I'm not sure. Are they all single core or do yeah, some of them on longer? Core. Okay, so. Uh... It's not the biggest of commits, but uh, that's that's an amusing one to uh, to repeat watch as often as that. Yeah. So, all right. Did you have anything else that you wanted to bring up about this year before we call it good for this for this episode? I don't think so. Not without just eating up more time to mention stuff uh, in general. It's like, oh, I didn't talk about this. Oh, I didn't talk about that. But uh, that was it, folks. The only anime in 2011. So let's go ahead. Let's wrap things up in that case. Thank you, CT, for joining me again. Thanks for having me. And thank you to all of you out there for listening to us ramble and go off topic for you know, the last hour and a half. Uh, if you want to support us, feel, please feel free to visit us on Patreon, patreon.com slash review, and throw us a dollar or so if you're enjoying things. Uh, and we will talk to you all again very soon. Thank you very much, and have a good night, everybody. Good night, folks.